Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Hello, everyone, and welcome to my show today, where we are going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, publishing. Um, I had promised you that I'm going to bring some special guests on to help all of you who want to be authors, who are, who are authors and want to make money at being an author, and a little bit background on why we are talking to my special guest today. As many of you know, I have a number one best-selling book, What Would a Wise Woman Do? Questions to Ask Along the Way, that's available wherever books are sold. What you may not know is it was on the Amazon bestseller list for 90 weeks, hit four number one lists, including number one top rated for over 30 weeks in the women in business category, and um, the top three hot new release for over 36 weeks. So... Knowing all of that, knowing it hit three international lists, and it also won a Nautilus Book Award for books that make a better world, gives you a little idea that you can be a best-selling author. But what it doesn't tell you is how that all happens. It's not magic. Yes, you need a good book because if you don't have a good book, the sales won't keep going and you won't stay on the list. But some of it is strictly math and science and understanding how the rankings work. Now, New York Times is a whole other feat, um, a whole other beast there, but I can actually tell you how you can make New York Times if you truly want it. But what we're going to be talking about today is publishing and how anyone can make money as an author if you have a good book. And we're speaking with my special guest, Linda Sterling, a.k.a. the Publishing Authority. Now, Linda has worked with hundreds of writers, helping many achieve their dreams of becoming a best-selling author. She uses strategies she's refined. She helped author Lorena Engel take her series from six sales per day to 60 and establish sales in 40 countries. Linda also got Lorena's book option for film and television. She's taken many other authors to bestsellerdom within weeks, even days of publishing. She has taught creative writing since 1988 and has been a writer and editor for 40 years. She knows writing and publishing inside and out, and she co-owned a publishing company and was executive editor for another publishing house. Recently, she began accepting work for her new publishing house, Circle of Light Books, which she says embraces a new paradigm in publishing. Because as we all know, the publishing world has changed from what it used to be. Now that Amazon is a major player in the field of self-publishing, things are changing. She accepts, Linda accepts very few works to work publish. And what she's learned is that, you know, sometimes you need a traditional publisher for your book and other times self-publishing is the way to go. She loves teaching others about getting published, how to self-publish, and most of all, how to make money as a writer. She has a new program out called Evergreen Book Machine, which is open to all writers and contains the information Linda uses to get her authors to rank on the charts. And we're going to be talking more about that. But one of the things Linda often tells her students, it doesn't matter how well you write if no one can find your books. So please welcome my friend and special guest, Linda Sterling. Hey, Laura. <laughs> so good to be with you this morning. So great to be with you, Linda. And, um, you know, I know it's a little early for you because you were in Camus, Washington, right? Camus, yes. And um, I'm in the Pacific time zone, but it's not all that early. It's it's still, you know, a decent hour of 8 a.m. <laughs> oh, that's not too bad at all. That's not too no. bad at all. Um, as you know, we're here in Florida in the sunny world of... Um, beach living. (laughs) 
Yeah, let's not compare that today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Linda, you and I have been friends since, what, about 2011, I think, is when we first met. And it felt like I found a sister that I had never had before. Yes, the feeling was mutual. (laughs) And, you know, over the course of writing my book and getting it published, you've been one of my mentors in, you know, I'll never forget when I first sent you the first draft of my manuscript and you're like, Laura, I just want to look at it. You know, I'm your friend. Let me look at it. Big piece of advice you gave me is reduce the number of exclamation points. (laughs) (laughs) And to this day, I still remember that every single thing I write, whether it's an email, whether it's a text, whether it's a tweet or whatever, careful of the exclamation points. Yeah, I do something kind of fun with some of the writers that I work with. I'll I'll, uh, print out an exclamation point, cut that into a tiny piece of paper, put it in an envelope, and hand it to them and say, okay, here's what you can use in your manuscript. So you'll only get this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's funny, too, because women tend to use more exclamation points than men. So it's, that's kind of an interesting aside. But, yeah, it's things like that, like really taking a look at some of the tendencies that you have as a writer and how you can um, just be aware of those, which you often aren't unless somebody else points them out. Yeah, you know, I'm sent a number of manuscripts from people who want my endorsement or want me to review their book um, or write a back cover quote or, or something for them. And... I often look at these and go, did they have an editor? I mean, they're, go- they're mm-hmm. publishing this book, and there are so many mistakes in the manuscript I've been given, or lots of exclamation points, or run-on sentences, or, or disjointed thoughts. And it amazes me how many books get published without a really good overall independent look at whether mm-hmm. the book is good or not. So how did you get involved with editing, and what makes you so fantastic at it? Because you really are. <laughs> well, 40 years of doing that helps. Um, when I started out, I, I wasn't sure whether the commas went inside the quotation marks or outside the quotation marks, so I'd kind of mix it up and do both, so I'd be right at least 50% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to learn how to do that um, as a, a business editor is actually – how I first started publishing, and it's it's been over time um, that I've, I've of course owned my own publishing company and been involved with others that I really fine tuned my eye for um, bigger things than punctuation. Now you can hire somebody to look at punctuation and catch some of the grammar, but the and that that's the big red flag if somebody's not even catching those things. But what you really want to do is you want to look for flow, for um, if it's fiction, you, you need a con- continuity of your, your character, um, evolution, um, so many other things that a professional book editor does. And what I see that most writers do is they give it a, a good enough pass. Um, so they'll have their their mother or their friend from college or maybe they know um, an English professor and they'll say, oh, well, they're smart. They can just edit my book and then I won't have to pay anything. And I can, I can 
tell when that's been done. Unless people really hire a book editor, they're not going to rise to the top with that. They they may get their books ranking for a little while, but eventually the readers are going to start leaving bad reviews if, if the material's sloppily edited or, you know, the the books just sink into what I call the black hole of book oblivion, which there's actually, uh, I consider there's five categories that people write in. Um, there's something which is like what you produced, Laura, and why I was so excited when I first looked at your book. Your book is what I call a legacy book. Um, it's a book that you're always going to be proud of. It's been done well. It's been edited well. Um, you can be proud of that book for the rest of your life, and you know other people are going to benefit from that book. Um, then there's thank you very much, I, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to do. <clears throat> excuse me, the time to do that. Um, and then there's um, another category called um, income books, and and I like to take that a little step further and call them. Um, evergreen books, hopefully they're evergreen and not just a short period of, of income. And income books and legacy books can go together. Then there's um, positioning books. And what I mean by positioning books are books that position you as an expert in something, whether it's um, you want to be a speaker or you know an expert in whatever your field of study might be. Um, now, here's where when we were talking about editing that I, I think these last two um, categories um, are, the books are usually in this category. There's the bragging rights books where oh, yeah. people just want to say they have a book and so they don't spend a lot of time and thought on that. Um, and that can, that can also be... Um, kind of the hoped-for books. People I'm seeing, especially in, since um, e-books have proliferated so much, that people will just throw a book together because they're, it, it's like buying a lottery ticket. Oh, maybe this will work. Um, so those are, that's the fourth category. And then there's the black hole of oblivion books, which is where those books usually end up to, which books actually can end up in that last category if they're very well done, if they, um, the writing is fresh and they've um, taken time to make sure that the book was edited well, but they just didn't know how to market so, there, you know, and that's, that's something that you and I have talked about, Laura, um, is if you don't know how to make your book visible, then really, uh, sadly to say, it doesn't matter how good the book is, so you do have to know how to make it visible. Yeah, it's one of those things that it's not one of those write it and they will come, you know, like with the whole baseball field with the, the movie Field mm -hmm. of Dreams. If you're mm -hmm. writing a book, number one, you have to be sure there's some sort of market for it beyond your family. Otherwise, just do a vanity book and print copies for all of your family. Um, and those are some of the last two books that you'd kind of talked about. Um, I, I love the way you classified the different books, you know, with the, the legacy book and the positioning book and um, the income books, the evergreen. And I, I know you have um, a lot of great information up at thepublishingauthority.com for people to get some great free resources as well. Um, 
you know, you hear all the time about people that use books as their business card. And but mm-hmm. you know what? Your business card doesn't do anything for you if you don't get people to see your business card. Otherwise, it's just a piece of paper that you spent money on to have printed. Yes. So that's yes. where you come in. And the conversation that we're going to continue after this commercial break, we're going to be talking about the things that you need to do to improve your chances of having a best selling book and actually becoming a writer. Not just somebody that threw a book out there because your ego said, let's write a book. Although, you know, there's something to be said for that, too. Wouldn't it be nice, though, if you got a book out there and you could actually make some money at it? So I'll be right back with my guest, Linda Sterling, the publishing authority, talking about how you can be a published author and make a go at it. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. We are back with my guest, Linda Sterling, a.k.a. The Publishing Authority. And if you have questions about publishing, please feel free to call in at 772-778-3500. That's 772-778-3500. So, Linda, before the break, you talked about the different kinds of books that are out there. Let's take um, a step back. And look at the whole publishing process. I mean, people still think, oh, I have to go with a traditional publisher or they're like, we're just going to throw it up on Amazon Kindle, CreateSpace, whatever it may be. What are some of the questions that an author or a prospective author should be asking themselves to decide whether they should publish their book and how? Well, I think that each writer needs to determine what their purpose is first. Um, a lot of writers, and, and this is perfectly fine, they want to be famous. Um, if that's your goal, that's fine, but be clear on that, and then if you work with somebody like me, we'll figure out how that happens. Many, many other writers just want to be able to produce an income from writing, whether it's you know a couple hundred extra dollars a month in their pocket or like Lorena Angel, the the author that I you mentioned earlier that I took to such great success, where she's able to just write full time and make a good living doing so. Um, and then when we talked about the different reasons for you know the different types of books um, as a business vehicle, if that's something you want to do, that's another path. So you need to get really clear first of all on what your objectives are. Once you're clear on your objectives then you need to break it down further. So, you know, that's something that um, is another process. So you need to be asking yourself, what are your goals? Why do you have those goals? And what is the best venue for achieving those goals, whether it's mm-hmm. traditional publishing mm-hmm. or self-publishing? Yeah, and and the best venue may have changed. Because I've been in publishing so long, <laughs> I've seen so many different um, structures kind of come and wane. And right now, the one thing that I recommend for most writers, not all, but for most writers, I think they should take a look at self-publishing. Statistics just came out from Amazon where it shows that 40% of the books that are on Amazon right now and Amazon is the biggest distributor in the world, so it's worth paying attention to. But 40% are self-published, 60% being with publishers. The interesting thing about that statistic is the 40% are the books that are making more money than the 60%. So you go back to, you know, what's, 
what's your purpose? Do you, you want, maybe you want visibility with a traditional publisher. You want to say that you're published by name the publisher. So get really clear on what your personal objectives might be and then make decisions from there. Well, as you know, Linda, I got, I got published via a more traditional publishing venue than self-publishing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think when you get the contracts, oh, great, I'm going to make a ton of money. But what most people don't realize is that most of the money goes to the publishing house for taking care yeah. of everything for you. And you may get, um, you know, pennies on the dollar for every book sold, and you're going to wait a long time before you get it because they hold back mm-hmm. money for this reason or for that reason. And mm-hmm. my, my favorite thing when I, I get approached by a prospective author is, well, but aren't the advances great? <laughs> well, I laugh because, as you know, right, not every publisher gives an advance, and an advance is exactly that, an advance. If you don't sell enough books to get the publisher back the money that they advanced you, they can ask for your money back. Yes. Yes, and you, you, you have to, like you say, earn that advance back before you get paid anything. And it's not like once you've earned that back that they pay it out immediately. Some publishers will take up to a year. It depends on the contract that you've developed with them. So don't expect money fast. And frankly, don't expect a ton of money on your first book. Sometimes that happens, but usually you need to develop a series of different books. Use your first book to cut your teeth on, really give it your all to make it an excellent, excellent book. Have that as your foundational piece, which then in the future can make you more money than it did at the start and begin writing other books. Um, That's the best approach. Now, you can still make money um, if you are consistently promoting that book. One of the things that writers tend to do because it, it can be our nature, and as you know, Laura, I'm an author too, so part of you know, my, my older paradigm was that you just wrote and you didn't, have to, you didn't have to do anything more than just sit down, write, you know, be in your little writer's cave, and then somebody else could do everything. That time has changed. Whether you go with a traditional publisher or you self-publish, now you have to be the one who keeps your book visible. A publisher doesn't do that for you anymore. They're going to require, before they will ever sign a contract with you, um, ideas from you on how you connect with, with what's called your platform, how you um, intend to get the word out. And my thinking is you're going to be doing all of that work anyway, so unless you have a really solid reason, which could be, but unless you have a really solid reason of going with a traditional publisher, if you're going to be doing the same amount of work, I think you should be making the majority of the money. Now, if you look at the, the difference in prices, let's say that you produce um, a less expensive paperback, and it's, it's just right at the $10 mark. So if you are with a traditional publisher, you're, you're going to get maybe 30 cents out of that $10 um, after everything's said and done. If you're producing that book and you put it up on Amazon, and, and there's some expenses on Amazon too, but they're, they're pretty negligible, you're going to be getting 70% of that cover price. 
So that's where it's, it's just smart for writers to be educated on their choices and the, the income possibilities and in, have all the information before they sign a contract that will take away their rights almost always for that book for the rest of their lifetime. So education for me is really the key in this. Okay, so you have to do the marketing yourself, as I've seen <laughs> from firsthand yes. experience. Um, you need to have a, a somebody edit your book who's not just a family member or friend, unless they happen to be a professional editor. And even in that case, I think you should have an independent look. Stephen King even says um, he gives his books out to family and friends, but he always has somebody outside the core group as a final look-see that's not, as they call, mm-hmm. a yes-man. Um, now, we're, we're about to go into a news break. And when we come back, can we talk about some specific steps that authors and writers can do to get started and see a significant positive motion in becoming an author? Absolutely. Great. My pleasure. So when we come back um, after the news break, we're going to be talking more with Linda Sterling, Publishing Authority, and you can get some wonderful, great free resources at thepublishingauthority.com. I just love Linda and all the stuff that she's doing. And I'm also going to get her to talk to us a little bit about um, a webinar series that she's doing about how authors can use social media and have it not become a time suck because Facebook and Twitter and all the social media platforms, as we all know, can just absorb our time, but you can use it really wisely. And then maybe, Linda, you'll give us a little tip on what it's like to work with an editor and what we should expect. How about that? We'll be right back, everyone, right after the news. You've been listening to it. Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Hey, everyone. Thanks for those of you who sent me a note looking for Linda's website. Um, a slight clarification, it is www.thepublishingauthority.com, not publishingauthority.com. It is thepublishingauthority.com. So hopefully you'll be able to find the website now. And if you have to have a question you want to specifically ask Linda, call in at 772-778-3500. So Linda, before the break, you said that after the break, you would talk to us about and share a tip on walking the editing process. So if an author wants to get an editor, what are the questions they need to be asking the prospective editor? And what does that process look like? Well, what I actually recommend, Laura, is that they um, check out a number of editors. Um, I have a tip sheet specifically on that at thepublishingauthority.com that gives a lot more detail than I'll have time for here. But you should find somebody that you're comfortable working with somebody that doesn't try and take over your style, um, and a book editor, not just a professional editor. And that's where a lot of people mess up. They don't find a true book editor. A book editor does so much more than, than just an ordinary editor. So find somebody that you want to work with and that, that has the skills. Um, get some references. Um, 
one of the things that I see right now is everybody on earth is hanging up a shingle as an editor. And unless you're, you already have some of the skills, you don't really know what you're getting. So if you have five pages edited and see how that editor works with you, what they've marked up, what their approach is, how much they teach within that too. That's something that I like to do is I like to educate as I go. Um, then you'll know what you can expect from that editor. What do the fees range from? Because I, I know that when I was getting edit um, quotes from multiple editors, I had quotes ranging from $1,000 to almost $10,000. How do you mm-hmm. know? Well, first of all, it's not uh, easy to just give you a range because the editing is based on word count. Um, People usually say, well, I have so many pages. Well, pages aren't really relevant because you could have 200 words on a page or you could have, you know, 500. It depends on your font style and your margins. So editors start with a word count. And then it depends on how much needs to be done. Um, my fees range, I, I usually won't take anything on for under um, 3500 but it depends on where the, what the level of the editing work is. And I also don't take on everybody. I'm, I'm picky about who I work with. We have to be a good match um, as in a partnership because I, I get very invested in, in helping my writers become successful. Um, and editing is, that's really a, a smaller part of what I do. Um, I look at books as how they can be successful overall. Editing is just one stage. It's the, the coaching the writer, if they're in one of my programs, on, on how to um, gain their readers as they are going along, which you should, you should be doing ideally as you're writing. And then, of course, positioning your book, getting your book distributed in the right um, sources. Um, Amazon is highly valuable, but it's not the only place. Um, there's some reasons why you want to have your books um, distributed by other distributors, um, specifically for library sales and for um, sales to, uh, to traditional bookstores like uh, um, Barnes and Noble or Hastings, and they probably have some others in in your uh, side of the country, Laura, <laughs> that I'm not familiar with. But um, you need to know those things. Like I said earlier, it, it's about educating yourself, knowing what your choices are, and then going from there. So when somebody is getting, they've written something, and they're looking for an editor, they should number one interview multiple people, be aware mm-hmm. that. Um, there's editors and then there's book editors. Um, I know that one of the other things some people just think an editor is is copy editing, you know, fixing the the punctuation and making sure the sentences all end properly and, and layouts look okay. But what I've learned is the best editors make your book better by asking you really great questions that make you expand something that might need to expand or move something from one part of the book to the other. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like, um, there was a, a testimonial that a, a gal that I've worked very closely with, Carla Van Huben, wrote for me, and she said uh, um, that I made her books sing. 
And it's just asking, like, like you do, Laura, you're all about the questions. It's about asking those questions that bring out the, the magic in the story in a better way. We, we tend to get absorbed in our writing process as writers, and we, we sometimes think we're clear when we're not clear, or we go on too long, or we, we don't tighten things up enough so that we let the reader imagine some of the things instead of uh, force-feeding it to them. So there's a lot of things beyond just, you know, spelling and grammar that a good book editor is going to do. Okay. Now, you mentioned reader engagement, and I know you've got a Mm -hmm. webinar coming up uh, about that, but can share a couple of tips on how an author can get better reader engagement both inside their book and outside their book? Ooh, a couple of tips. There's so many different things. I know. <laughs> um, yeah. um, well, you know, actually, tomorrow I have a whole webinar just on reader engagement, and I'd be happy if, if um, people want to contact me. Um, they can shoot me a note at uh, Linda at thepublishingauthority.com, and I'm going to be giving whole hour at least of of tips on reader engagement i'd say and it's free everybody it's absolutely free it's at um four o'clock pacific which is seven eastern um tomorrow um and i'd say one one good one is putting your information at for in your ebook at the very start of your book you don't need to have your acknowledgments and thanking your first grade teacher and saying hello to your dog and all of that. Because when you go to Amazon, the first thing that readers get is a look inside the book. And if they have to sift through the bigger portion of, of that kind of thing to get to the beginning of your book where you begin to, you know, hopefully if you've done your book well, create the magic of engaging the reader, then that's just too much time. You want, you want to hook the reader right away. Same thing in that first paragraph. When I, when I edit, because I've been editing for so long, I can take a manuscript, I can tell in the first paragraph what that reader, or I'm sorry, what that writer needs to do to um, improve the book so that they can hook the, the reader. Um, but like I said, there's so many different tips and that's one of the things I love doing is is um, showing writers how they can comfortably without feeling like they're you know salesman with a sign on their back um, present their books to readers you know it, it's I think it's very important something that you just said that people need to start thinking about books differently because so many people are reading ebooks and the way it displays on an ebook displays very differently from a print book. So if you mm-hmm. have an ebook out there, you need to look at how you read an ebook and mm-hmm. what you skip over and what you, you read. A lot of people just skip through the acknowledgments right away and pepper your book when you're writing it with how they can reach out to you, how they can engage with you and additional um, resources that are available to them if they've read your book. And absolutely. You, you know, one of the things that I made sure I did in my book was offer, um, I had my website inside the book <clears throat> listed several times, and then links to from that website you can get free resources. 
And yes. for those of you listening, we do that on this show, too. If you go to itsallaboutthequestions.com, you can download free resources by subscribing to ask yourself better questions to improve what's going on. And I know Linda has similar resources at the publishingauthority.com for those of you who are authors. So, Linda, um, here's a question for you before we go into our last break. I know it's just never stops these breaks, but we love our advertisers. So um, if you were to ask yourself any question before you wrote your next book, what is that question that you always ask yourself? How can I benefit my readers? And that question is whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction. You always want to know what you're delivering. And with fiction, that is how can I most entertain and um, engage in the story? And with nonfiction, it's what am I going to deliver and how am I going to... um, create um, an impact for the people that that are picking up this book. So you're always thinking about your readers before you even write your book. You should be, yes. Yeah. Yes. It's not you, so much you about what? you, it's about your readers. It's, it's never about you. <laughs> you get to be <laughs> the, the magical vehicle. Um, and and it is kind of a magical process. That's why so many people are drawn to writing. But if you have the spirit of, I'm, I'm going to deliver something that people love. You're thinking about the people, not about, um, oh, this is going to make me look great. Or it, it shouldn't be, writing shouldn't be an ego trip. It, it should be a gift to the people that you want to serve. And you need to think of it as a business. And when we come back, we'll talk more with Linda Stewart. So, Linda, um, there's so much to think about being an author. And you talked before the break about always be thinking about your readers before you write your book. And, and I threw in there that we also, as authors, need to remember it's a business, right? Because if you're spending mm-hmm. time writing a book, you need to understand it's a business. And, and so many authors don't feel that they should think of it as a business because, oh, I just have to get my stories out there. I, I just want to do that. But even James Patterson, Stephen King, one of my favorites, Debbie, Debbie Maycomber, they understand that in order to keep doing what they're doing and keep having an impact on the world, they need to understand the business side. And publishing has changed and writing has changed so much. So what do you think is the new paradigm in writing? I, I think the, the number one thing is you can't do this alone anymore. The, the days of isolation and you put together a manuscript and you'd ship it off and you'd cross your fingers and, you know, six months later when you hadn't heard anything, you'd ship off another copy. You, I mean, well, I guess you could do that. But to be successful, you really need um, a team anymore. You need your team of potential readers because they're going to get the word out. You need an editor. You need um, to have somebody help you with your marketing, at least coach you on your marketing. Um, you, you're not in isolation and shouldn't be in isolation if you want to have a successful book. Um, that's just been um, a huge shift in the last few years, as has been the opportunity to get into print. So there's not the barriers that there were. Um, the opportunities for writers are 
worlds better than they have ever been in the history of writing. So use all the, the tools in your, your toolbox and bring others into to the mix, and that's really the secret to success. You know, people talk about platform and social media, and you mentioned having a team together. Well, what if you really don't know anything about marketing and you have three Facebook friends and zero Twitter followers? How do you go about building buzz? Well, first of all, you have to go back to establishing your goals. And it's, you can't just do what I see, I'd say probably 90% of the, the writers who are on the social media platforms doing. You can't just do a, oh, hey, I've got a new book, buy my book. You know, click here and you're going to be happy. You have to engage your readers before you ever have a book ready to sell. Or if you already have a book out, and I work with a lot of writers who have had books um, out for a while, and I do what's called a relaunch when I teach them new techniques. So there are certain things that you do to engage your writers in a, or readers rather, um, or potential readers, in a way that humans like to engage. They don't like to be sold to. So you, you talk about your processes, the things that you have in common, and you should find people that you have something in common with. So gravitate to those groups that are relevant to the topics of your book or the, the kind of um, genre that you're, you're in. Um, those are just some of the strategies that I teach. And it, it, it's also where you go to get the, the um, followers. You, you have different approaches on different social media platforms. But number one thing is don't be a sales machine. Engage with people like people and then you gain fans forever. One of my most successful um, marketing things that I didn't even do as marketing um, that I believe got me to the bestseller list before I even knew I was on the bestseller list was when the UPS guy delivered my book to my house and I was the only one home. Um, he's like, oh, my God, did you write a book? And I'm like, yeah, I'm so excited. And I said, but there's nobody home, so I'm not going to open the boxes yet. He goes, why can't you open the boxes? And I'm like... I don't know. It just feels weird doing it alone. And he said, give me your iPhone, because you knew I had an iPhone. And um, he took a photo of me opening the book, opening the Aww. boxes of the books. <laughs> and I, I mean, no makeup. I, I wasn't even expecting the books to be delivered that day. These were advanced copies of the books. And he was so excited for me. He just started snapping photos of me and got this incredible photo of me holding up my book because I was like, oh, my God, look, Bill, here it is. Bill is my UPS guy. <laughs> And I, I decided to post it on Facebook, you know, naked face, no makeup, no hair done or anything like that. And people were so excited. But I've been building buzz for like a year, just talking about the mm -hmm. process of writing my book and getting it published and all that other stuff. And uh, apparently a number of people saw that and started buying my book on in the ebook version because the Kindle version came out first from my publisher. I didn't even know the book was available for sale yet. And on Thanksgiving Day, when it came out, I happened to look, and it was an Amazon bestseller. <laughs> Isn't that fabulous? And when yeah. I started looking yeah. and tracking it, it was because I had engaged people with my excitement and my joy and had been building that social media. Um, mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. everybody I met. And you've been building it for a while. A while, yeah. It doesn't just happen overnight. Mm -hmm. But I, I understood, without realizing it, that my 
social media um, fans and followers that weren't just family and you know friends. It was a number of people from all my business work that I had done. They wanted to share my joy. Mm-hmm. And That's the key. yeah, it's it's very key is being very authentic. Yeah. Um, with that, and you are so great at that. So, Linda, how is the best way for people? I know we had mentioned it before to reach out to you and get some great free resources, including I love this webinar series that you're doing. Um, I think tomorrow's is guaranteeing reader engagement: five tips from best-selling authors on getting people to engage with you. Yeah, that one's that one's free tomorrow. Another free one on Thursday. Um, The one on Thursday is the social media time suck, how to set up your author platform without ruining your life. Um, So people can, I'm more than happy to take any questions that we haven't been able to answer here um, at linda at thepublishingauthority.com or you can, of course, go to their website, thepublishingauthority.com. That's also where you can find a link to what's called Evergreen Book Machine, which is the program where I, I take people and coach them in the same way that I coached author Marina Angel on um, ha- helping her get her books to be as successful as they are. Um, her books are, she went from six book sales a day to 60 per day. She's in 40 countries and was able to get an option for her books for film and television. So all of the same tools that I use with Lorena are going to be in Evergreen Book Machine. That's such a great resource that you're putting out there and and doing and the one-on-one work that you're doing with people who sign up for Evergreen Book Machine is, um, I think it's amazing. And I'm actually going to be taking the course too, just because there is nothing wrong with learning. And I think being an author is a continuous learning process because the world of writing changes daily nowadays. People have short Mm -hmm. attention spans. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's one of the things, too, people who sign up for the course, and, and I can only include 100 people, and I think I'm at something like 15, so um, it's starting to fill up. But um, one of the elements of the course is I give updates for life. Um, for example, I used to highly, highly recommend um, Kindle Select. I have a lot of reservations about that program now, so I talk about that. Um, if there's something that I recommend in the course, and I see that that changes. Anybody who's on that list of participants will will get updates for the rest of their life. Any any time that changes, and I I think I'm probably one of the people that's you know at least in the top ten that pays attention to what's going on in publishing. So if something shifts, I usually excellent know about it. Um, I'm so first ex- first. <laughs> I'm so excited you're doing it. Thank you so much for being my guest. And everyone, join me next week, same time, same station. And remember, the right questions can change your life. So what are you asking to today? It's all about the questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.